Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And, uh, you know, uh, this program, uh, whenever we start these programs, I always do a little countdown. Three, two, one, and away we go with the video and the audio, the podcasts, the radio broadcast, as well as the video cast. Why is that important, you ask? Well, it's important because... Numbers are important, and we're going to be talking about numbers today. Yes, indeed we are. We're going to be talking with our very special guest all about numbers. And Jesse Kalsi is my guest. And uh, Jesse, where are you, uh, where are you um, on the planet today? <laughs> where are we getting in the state of California. It's a city called Fremont in Northern California. Uh, so you're in the same state as I. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's great to have you on the program. I really appreciate you taking time to, uh, to talk to us today. Oh, you're most welcome. Well, now, what is it? Uh, well, first of all, let me share with you that uh, there's a there's a name for this, and see if I can remember. I want to say it's kinesthesia. I think that's the right name. I see letters and numbers individually as mm-hmm. colors, different colors. Mm. Okay, so when we start talking about numbers, I'm going to be seeing those numbers in color, uh, as as NBC would say. And now in living color, it's tell me your story. (laughs) (laughs) That's very interesting. That's a gift. Indeed. Uh, And what's interesting is, of course, when I start taking a look at words and and months of the year, days of the week, each day takes on a different little hue, you know, and then each month of the year and each year and each decade and so on and so forth. And it's really kind of cool. I mean, you know, I I can't actually... I suppose that if, if, if I could tap into the actual colors, I might be able to draw them. But uh, it's really kind of a neat, neat experience. What is it about numbers that has so intrigued you and attracted you that not only have you written this book called All About Numbers, but um, the power of home numbers as well? That's correct. So, so what happened was, you know, when I came to America, you know, many, many years ago, um, you know, I'm like most immigrants, you know, it was a difficult start. I was struggling. But at that time, you know, I had some basic knowledge of numbers, but the Vedic tradition. And as you are well aware, you know, there are many schools of numerology. There's the Pythagorean system. There's something in the Americas. There's the Chinese have a system. The Hebrews have a different code, right? So, but whatever I knew was uh, the Vedic tradition, right? And I had a very basic knowledge at that time. And as I was trying to, you know, find my way in those challenging situations, I started using these numbers, I don't know, very mysteriously. And 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 what happened is it, it started opening some doors, you know, and which really surprised me. And then as time went on, you know, I applied more and uh, and I was I was very fortunate that the universe sent me many, 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 many people as I, you know, moved up. And um, and then as a uh, and then as a real estate broker and then practicing numbers on the side, right? They kind of worked really well together. So, so that's how it all happened. Uh, there's no one in my family who's in this business of numbers or astrology, or no one cares. Nobody knows, right? But this just happened to come to me at a very difficult time, and then and that's how these books followed with my life experience here in America. Hmm. Now, it, it, would this fall under the category, or is it a separate category from numerology? No, it's the same thing. You know, it's astro-numerology is what I practice. But this tradition is very prevalent in the Far East, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the Indian subcontinent. You know, this is, this is there. It's been there for five, 6,000 years. And um, uh, so, so it's, it's applied, it's used everywhere. You know, it's very popular in the Bollywood film industry. It's very popular with, you know, big time business people or, or I mean, even the regular people now. So uh, understanding that, you know, just like you said earlier, it's cycle, it's time. You know, it's, you know, we're not lucky every day, right? We all have our seasons, our times, right? So, so understanding your number code from this angle, this perspective is based on my experience, definitely helps, you know, it definitely helps you make the right decisions or, you know, know when when to do or when not to do. Well, that's that's the case in other numbers too. But when this one, I've you know, I've used it so extensively that I feel that it does definitely does tell you, you know, how to harmonize your life and you know, how to balance your energies. And it, it all starts with your basic, which is your date of birth. Okay. Right? So from the date of birth, we derive some you know basic numbers, and then we kind of you know harmonize our life around those numbers. Is all we do. Now, is this also connected, because I heard, I think I heard you use the word, uh, this is also connected with Vedic astrology? 
Exactly. Yeah. Vedic. Yeah. Yeah. We have a, 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 I don't know if it's a mutual friend, but he's in Ve- into Vedic astrology. Uh, mm. He studied for many years. He has a, a website, astroview.com. His name is David Hawthorne here in the mm. States. He lived, uh, I think he lived in Iowa. I think he's moved because he's retired and doesn't want to shovel snow anymore. But uh-huh. one of the things that I kind of concluded about Vedic astrology in particular was, as he would describe it, it is not telling you what's going to happen to you on any particular date or period of time. It's like a roadmap and you're taking exactly. a journey and he's telling you these are the conditions that you may come across as you travel down the road. For example, ah, um, in December of 2022, uh, you might run into some rain, so you might want to take an umbrella. And I'm, I'm just using this as an example. You don't have to take an umbrella, but, you know, if you've got it, you can use it. If you don't have it, well, then you can't use it. And, of course, uh, he talks about using various uh, crystals, precious gems and stones, wearing certain colors, and so on and so forth. And that has always fascinated me in that regard because many of the conversations we've had on this program, Jesse, have had Uh to do with vibration. Everything has a vibration, including colors and uh, obviously sounds. Uh Uh, Numbers have tones. This is one of the things that's intrigued me about the Hebrew language. And mm-hmm. the Aleph Bet, for example, every mm-hmm. one of the 22 letters in the Aleph Bet has its own legend. It has mm-hmm. its own color. It has its own number. It has its own uh, 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 vibration and so forth. Then you mm-hmm. start putting those letters together and mm-hmm. it creates a whole new s- legend and letters yeah. together with as words and sentences and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And that's why I've always felt that. It's a darn shame that we don't know how to speak some of these languages and write them because so much is lost in the translation. How were you able to bridge the gap regarding translation uh, for people here in America uh, so that you are giving them the fullness of, I I will use this term, correct me if I'm wrong, astrological numerology. (laughs) That's correct. Yeah, that is absolutely true. What you said is absolutely right. And so, so what has happened over the years, you know, I mean, here in the Americas, you know, I've had, you know, most people speak the language right there. I mean, and they speak it better than me, so, you know, I understand <laughs> it. And then once in a while, I had, I had some uh, Spanish clients from South America, you know, then at, at that time I had to hire a translator, you know, a couple of times to, you know, as a translator kind of, but that didn't happen that often, you know, it happened a few times. But in most cases, you know, uh, they, they, you know, they spoke better English than me and I, I could talk to them and I could explain my point to them and then look at their numbers. So uh yeah, but that's a, that's a that's a good one, you know. Unlike this book right now, it was published by you know this uh, publisher. And and English is not, you know, it's not all over Europe, right? Because you know the Germans, the French, and so many other languages there, right? So it's uh it, it's good that you alerted me because I mean coming in the future, right? Uh if we pick some more uh, translations, you know, it'll be interesting to uh try to understand different languages and how would I communicate with them? See? Exactly. A a very good point you raised. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's something too. I know that you're going to want to do because there are people of all different cultures and languages that are curious Mm -hmm. about these things. I think one of the things that uh, David used to say on the program, he says, you know, uh, because we used to open up the phone lines Mm -hmm. when we Mm -hmm. were live. And um, he says, people love to hear about themselves. They love to hear what's Mm -hmm. going on with themselves and so forth. Mm -hmm. And especially when they're getting a reading, when the reading is 99.9% right on. Yeah. Now, the thing about Vedic astrology, and I would love for you to dive into this just a little bit, mm-hmm. it is not a guessing game. It is a, it is based on science. Is that correct? That is true. It is. Okay. It is to describe the science that is used, if you can, in layman's terms. Oh, so it's just like I said earlier, you know, in this in the Vedic numerology tradition, we have numbers in a planetary association. Now, say for example, the energy of one is uh, the is the mighty sun, or six is Venus, or nine is Mars, or five is Mercury, or four is Uranus, right? So that's how we can associate, associate these numbers of planetary energy. Mm-hmm. 
And then what happens is, um, you know, if you, if you go read someone's chart, right, astrology, you know, I mean, Vedic astrology, Mars, and everybody knows Mars. Mars is not well placed in your chart, right? What it will basically do is you know, it will wreck your marriage first. And then, and then you know, it'll, you become accident prone, right? So Mars does the same thing, you know, whether it's the numbers or it's, you know, the way it's placed in your chart. And so most astrologers, you know, who read your chart and say, oh, well, your Mars is not that strong. So typically what this do is they'll suggest a stone like a red coral. You know, red coral is used to balance the energies of Mars and strengthen that energy. Mm-hmm. So, so that's how it goes. And so Vedic, Vedic is pretty much on the same lines, you know. So over the years, I have researched it with, you know, with my life and my, with my experience. And I have, you know, I have a little chart that I've made. And I can, so how I normally start is I look at someone's date of birth. And then from there, I can get the best numbers that are vibrating, right? Mm-hmm. And which, of course, is planetary energy. So just like in my case, when I'm born on April the 3rd, you know, and so my energy works best with Jupiter and Mars, which is three and nine, right? And so if you look at my book, right, all about numbers, I mean, the the the, the, the number adds up to a number nine, you know, because I've, I've you know, I've, the energy is harmonized with my basic energy. I didn't put it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And then, and if you look at the, I normally wear this color, I wear this color, basically to enhance my energy and stay with my planetary frequency all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I, you know, so if I wear dark colors, like I don't like to wear black, you know, I avoid black or drive a black car. Why? Because the energy of black, which is number eight, which is planet Saturn, right? Saturn typically would collide with my Mars energy. It kind of slows you down, right? It brings in challenges. So, so there it goes, the colors, and that's how the energy goes. So that is just to give you an example. Now, um, I'm going to refer to you, of course, as Jesse, Jesse Kalsi, uh, jessekalsi.com, which we will be linked to your website as well. Um, but as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story, I want to find out more about uh, your background and, and your time um, before you came to America. As we continue, I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and this is Tell Me Your Story. I'm with Jesse Kelsey, jessekelsey.com, that's K-A-L-S-I, uh, J-E-S-S-E, K-A-L-S-I.com. We'll be linked to uh, that website as well uh, so that you folks can uh, find out more about Jesse and the work that he does. May I ask, uh, what was your birth name? My birth name is Jasbir. It's not my official name. It's J-A-S-B-I-R. So I go by Jasbir Singh Kalsi. That is my official name. And may I ask, uh, because I know that it does exist, the meaning. Is there a meaning? Jazz beer is, you know, basically jazz, just, just is, you know, is, just is basically, just means uh, to do the right thing, kind of, you know, just also means, uh, just also means fame, but just also means beer. So to do the right thing, right, you are strong to do the right thing is what it means, you know. Just to put it in the layman mm-hmm. words, you know, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Jasbir or Jesse, I thank you for sharing that with us. And and where do you? Uh, and I'm I'm I don't want to yeah. make the assumption assumption that you're from India. You could be from Pakistan, for all I know. Yes, uh, you're right. But you it's mentioned the subcontinent, uh, and uh, so I'm curious, what what part of that part of the world are you originally from? I am from India. Actually, I was born and raised in India. And I, uh, you know, I, uh, I was born in, a, in the desert, a city called Jodhpur in Rajasthan. I wonder, a lot of tourists go there. It's a very, you know, it's a very interesting place. I was born there. And my father served the Indian Air Force. And then we kind of traveled all over the country. And then at about 18 years of age, you know, I joined the National Defense Academy. And then after three years, I came to the Indian Military Academy. And then I got commissioned in the Gurkha Rifles. Uh, you know, as an officer. Mm-hmm. And then I served the uh, Indian Army for eight and a half years, a little over eight years, actually. And then what was happening was, you know, the political situation in India was kind of just changed, you know, uh, you know, changed and Sikhs are a minority anyway. And we were, you know, we had to experience some very difficult times in 1984 after the you know, Indian Prime Minister was assassinated and they they wanted to basically, you know, clean up the entire Sikh community from India. Mm. So that it, it just bothered me tremendously because I felt that 
you know, I'm here, I'm wearing a uniform, you know, but I've, I would have been out retired in about another 10 years of my service. I got a pension and I settled down comfortably, right? But it just bothered me tremendously because I felt that here I am, you know, risking my life for this country, right? And they wanted to kill my my parents back home in Delhi. Mm. So my parents just survived by chance, you know, survived. Yeah. So that bothered me tremendously. You know, it just bothered me tremendously. And then I, you know, I just, I, I did what I did. I quit. And, and so and coming to America, I can tell you, it was a big chance, you know, Mm-hmm. It was the biggest chance I took in my life, right? My father was pretty upset and he was so unsure. I mean, I, ha- I had a relative here at that time, here in Houston, Texas, but you know how it is when you, you're on your own, your own. But I can tell you something. It is numerology, the science of numbers. You know, this at that time, you know, connected me to the right people, right? To come out of a very difficult situation right and rise in this country but i can tell you america has been very lucky for me yeah very well, lucky i want to talk about that as well uh, and also talk about lucky numbers and things of this nature as we continue yeah. here on tell me your story new paradigms for a new world i'm richard dugan along with uh, jesse uh Kalsi and jessicalsi.com is the website all about numbers is what our conversation is all about today and we're going to continue talking about that as well as uh the power of house numbers now when i was a kid growing up i loved Not that I had any say in it, mind you, but somehow my street address just resonated with me. Mm -hmm. And it was 1822, 1822 Mm -hmm. uh, in Phoenix. And uh, what date are you born? I was born June 26th, 1960. Uh-huh. And I was, uh, and I know in Vedic astrology, you also have the time of 317. A.M. and that which was a Sunday, uh-huh. so I, I think uh, I kept my mother from going to mass that Sunday. <laughs> uh-huh. oh, boy. Being born and raised a Catholic, oh, um, yeah. but uh, numbers have always fascinated me. Patterns. Every so often, I will look up at a clock, mm. and I will see either three or four consecutive numbers. Or yeah. contiguous numbers, in other words, all ones, all twos, all threes, fours, fives, yeah. or one, two, three, four, five, three, four, five, six, seven, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I'm yeah. going because uh, I've heard that when you look at a clock, for example, a digital clock, obviously, yeah, and you see patterns like that, there's something about that that you just mm-hmm. happened to look up at that moment mm-hmm. to see that, and for some reason that is significant. Uh, is it, as far as you know, is there some significance in our awareness in that regard? Yeah, you know, I mean, I've been asked this question many times, and I see patterns too. But what I believe in is, you know, say, for example, the number 1111, 11, right, or 1212, 12, mm-hmm. things like that, or fives and all that. So what, what I believe is, you know, that whatever you see, I mean, if that, those, those numbers flow with your own basic energy. I mean, if they connect with your code, I think it's a positive message. But if they don't, you know, then then it might not, you know, bring in the right energy is, is how I look at them. So uh, so going back to your, uh, so you said 26th of June, right? Correct. 1960. Yeah, June the, yeah, June the 26th. Uh, so what happens is so Mercury is kind of very strong. You know, so Mercury is communication and that's what you're doing. You know, you're talking to the world, right? Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and what this also means is from a gemstone, I can tell you a number five is Mercury. Emerald will be very good in a, one, in a finger or a, for liquid cash and all that. Um, what, what, so where are you living now? Uh, I mean, what is the number now? Uh, number. Uh, oh, my phone number? No, your home number. Oh, home, uh, home address. Guess it, the number, yeah. The, the, the home address is 6574. Okay, 6574. Yeah, so and there's there. a pattern there too because if you string them out in the proper order, it's 4567. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's really good actually, yeah. There is an order there. I agree yeah. with you. There's an absolute order in there, and so you got you got Venus, you got Mercury, and you got Neptune, and you got Uranus, and wow. that's, so that's a pretty interesting number. So yeah, and the number two by itself, Moon works for you. So the number two and the five are your lucky numbers, and based on what I know, and mm. and so Moon's repeating twice here, which is Master, and you're born on the 26th, and so yeah, that's 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 pretty good actually, and it's strong energy. But, but if you ever want to patch it, you, know, you can use another number one somewhere in the middle. 
So the two moons with sun in the middle is like yin and yang, you know, father, father, you know, mm-hmm. moon, sun, moon, you know, one, two, you know, that black, white, that kind of energy. Right. Two, one, two would further shift it. But the only thing about two, one, two, see, five is Mercury. Mercury moves fast. Mercury is slippery, you know. If you live in a Mercury home, right, it'll work for about five years and then you have to kind of, you know, it'll then it starts like it comes down very quickly. Right. So that is the only disadvantage. But I think if you patch it with a number one temporarily, it, I mean, you know, say about five years, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's climb up, you know, and then from there, it'll launch you, you know, even higher is how I see it. Right. Well, what I what I can tell you is that we've been at that address for 15 years. Oh, that's pretty good, actually. Yeah. yeah. Now, there there is uh, what's interesting is that every so often we will be asked. So is that six, five, seven, four and a half one slash two, you know, a half. And I said, well, I understand that's probably what you're seeing on your screen, like the electric company, that kind of thing. But we've never been told that it was one half. You know, there is no other building on the property with this exact address. But I just thought that was rather interesting as people are picking up on that half. So maybe that's where the one comes from. Yeah, maybe. Yes, that's very interesting that you said that. So let me ask you in regards to um, uh, um, sort of... uh, Shall we, I am now mixing cultures here, ladies and gentlemen, and hopefully it won't blow up in my face. Uh, the the feng shui aspect of numerology, if you will. Yes, 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 in, yes, yes. In terms of, okay, I can't change my birth date. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, and and usually when I reference it, it's six twenty six sixty. All right, mm-hmm. so I've got three sixes in there. Yeah, okay. There's mm-hmm. the. The call of the devil, you know, but there's a two in there, so it's not quite. Yes. Yeah, uh, but yeah. that's usually how I refer to it. And uh, um, uh, because considering the fact that we haven't reached 2060 yet, so I can still say 62660. Yeah. But um, then there's, of course, the birth time. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I was born in Phoenix, Arizona and, and so forth, which is the birthplace. And those are the three main things that people need, that a Vedic astrologer needs, as David has yeah, told yeah. me, uh, to, to run a chart. And um, uh, I know that a lot of people love to have uh, have readings and so forth. And so I want to ask you, because I know you're going to pull up the same information that he pulled up, but I'm curious about one aspect. Now, he was he had told me this is what was in my chart, a, a chart that around November of 2019. So this is going mm-hmm. back as we're as we're talking two years uh-huh. yeah i was supposed to hit a phase for about three maybe four years where i would have what he referred to as the midas touch mm-hmm. and i thought oh that'll be cool you know um but the problem that i created in my own mind was thinking oh i'll do real well financially when I know good and well that when we talk about prosperity, when we talk about abundance, when we talk about other things of this nature, um, it doesn't necessarily translate into dollars and cents. In this case, in the in this in the states, you know, it doesn't always translate into money in the bank. Mm-hmm, prosperity exactly. comes in many different forms. So yes. I'm just curious because I'm sort of here on the on the block, if you will. Can you yeah. elucidate on on that concept based upon that information? Yeah. So 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 that's a that's a, another angle which astrologers use, right? That's basically the movement of the planets in there. So, but what I do is you know, so looking at your basic numerology, six twenty six nineteen sixty. So you have Jupiter, right? Mm-hmm. So your Jupiter vibration is really strong, right? Jupiter is the largest planet, right? Which is expansion and all good things. So that's really good. So what happens is, so you know, so how I look at things is this, you know, from your from your date of birth, which is uh, 626, 1960. So we count the time from there. So 40 plus 21 is so 61. So you entered your 60. So on your birthday this year, you entered your 62nd year. Yes. Right. So now what happens is your 62nd year, see, is the is also carries the energy of planet Saturn. Right. So planet Saturn is a cold planet. It moves very slowly. Right? <laughs> yeah. So that's what happens. It's moving slowly. But what will happen is after the 21st of November, you know, the energy is Jupiter is going to come in very strongly. Right. It's going to come in all till about uh, till about I said the first round comes in about April, which is really good. You know, 
that that energy you know it's it's uh, much matches your basic code right it's really good mm-hmm. but otherwise it's been a little you know it's slowed down after your birthday you know it's, it's dragging you a little bit yeah but but it will uh, just watch 21st of uh, november mm-hmm. suddenly feel something i will keep that in mind you know. that is a sunday by the way this oh, year is? Okay. that okay. is a sunday and uh, as our conversation unfolds that's a little over Two weeks, two and a half weeks away as our yes, conversation exactly. unfolds here. That is so true. Yeah. It's around the corner. Now, and, what I would like to do is I'd like to talk a little bit more about this concept of numbers as we continue. We're talking with Jesse Kalsi, jessekalsi.com. We will be linked to that website. We hope that you will be too. I'm Richard Dugan. This is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. Jesse, you know, we give people choices and knowledge of those choices to help make people's dreams come true on this program. Um, Not Oprah and not everybody's getting a car and you don't look under your seat for any envelope with money in it. But what we do is we provide a smorgasbord table. Mm -hmm. Every guest brings a dish, metaphorically Mm -hmm. speaking, and you're bringing a dish of numbers. And we place that on the table and we ask them to partake. If it resonates with them, Go for it. You know, enjoy. If it doesn't, don't touch it, you know, mm-hmm. but come back because maybe that which didn't resonate with you before might now. Exactly. So I want to talk about numbers and mm-hmm. we have a basic set of numbers here in the West. Um, they're, they're standard numbers, I guess you'd call them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and zero. Yeah. yeah. Uh, many people say that we can be thankful to, uh, what is it? The the uh, the Arab nations, uh, the the Arab, the Arab uh, ancestors for zero. I I I don't fully understand that. I'll have to do some research. But there are also Roman numerals. But yes. something tells me that the symbol that we use to represent is not what is important here, is it? That is true because Roman symbols are different, right? True, but they, they still different. represent the same count if you will yes two eyes is two as is the number two exactly exactly the energy is the same and it's the same energy and and by the way zero was invented by india it came from india aha okay zero came from india and i what what can you tell me i know i know i'm i'm asking for a little history lesson here but what uh can you tell me about how zero even came up because this is a contention if you will especially uh within the uh, christian philosophy as to uh bc and ad at least that's what they used to be referred to now it's uh the common era and so forth and Mm -hmm. that there was no year zero per se uh at least as far as i know it went from two and one bc to i guess went to one two three a.d yeah yeah yeah. and supposedly around the time of jesus birth i guess yeah yeah. i'll be honest with you right i know that the zero was uh, it came from india right and i I wouldn't know more than that so i'll be very honest with you okay And that's fine. But let's talk about, uh, let's talk a little bit about the history of of, uh, uh, um, (laughs) Vedic astrological numerology. Um, Give us a little history lesson if you can, or tell us what you know about how how this has evolved over the centuries. Or is it what you practice today is the same as what was practiced, say, 6,000 years ago? That is in the affirmative. That is exactly, uh, you know, I have learned what was taught, what has been taught earlier, 6,000 years ago, right? So I've, I've learned from there, mm-hmm. the one the ancestors practice. So uh, if you say that I have, uh, uh, you know, the, the basics, the basics are the same, you know, but I have, what I have uh, cre- uh, created or what I have been blessed to know is, is more my research, like, you know, like the application of numbers, you know, that's a little different, right? And And that I have learned with my life experience, basically, you know, uh, working with people and, you know, how this how this energy really works. I'll give you one example, right? So say, for example, the number one and the number eight, right? So one is the energy of sun and eight is the energy of Saturn. So now even in Vedic tradition, right, this energy is father and son. If you read more, you, you know, that's how it comes as father and son. One is light and one is darkness, but they never get along well. 
So if, if say, for example, if someone enters or lives in a house number which has ones and eights in it, right, or say if just a number a one eight or a one zero eight one eight, something like that, mm-hmm. it definitely brings in things like cuts, injuries, accidents, family court or legal separation. But it's good for people working in the law enforcement or in the medical field. You'll, you'll benefit professionally. But otherwise, those personal challenges would absolutely be there. Right. Mm. So, so that's that's one angle. Then I'll give you another example of, uh, of how number five and number nine. Right. So you have a lot of five here on your, which is really good. Mercury communication. That's what you do. Communicate to the world. And uh, but five and nine again. Right. Has five's Mercury. Nine is Mars. Never get along. Right. They, mm-hmm. they always create that challenge. You know, then again, going down to number two and number eight is Moon and Saturn, too. Also. You know, also it's challenging. I'll give you an example, and that is the pre- the current president of the United States, President Biden, right? So just like I asked for, asked for you, I was looking at your numbers. If you look at his numbers, he turns 79 now in November, November the 20th, and he enters his 80th year, all right? So moon, moon and Saturn, again, don't work well, which is a principle. It's not that it is not for him. It, it applies to everybody across the board, right? So uh, that energy again is, is kind of destabilizing energy. Like someone's pulling the carpet under your feet, right? It's like that. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm just giving you some examples of how these numbers and how these energies really work, you know. And uh, but then the thing is this: you know, we have, we have to we have to know your basic stuff. See now, if we, as far as we're looking at your date of birth, you're born with Jupiter, right? You're born with a very strong planet. You're born with the largest planet behind you, mm-hmm. right? So even if a home number was a little off here and there, your energy was so huge that you just kind of went through it, right? You know how mm-hmm. it is. You know, it's a large planet. You just go right through it, right? So yeah. that's what's been happening in your case. You know? uh, by and the way, uh, when you mentioned one and eight, and I told you mm-hmm. what my address was when I was born, one eight two two eighteen twenty two. Yes. From there, uh, I moved into an apartment complex, and it was uh, 1645. I was uh-huh. there for only a couple of years. Uh-huh. Um, I can't remember the addresses of the trailer park or apartment complex, but I do remember the home. The first home I purchased uh-huh. was 8218. Uh-huh. And then the second home that I purchased, uh-huh. I didn't get to keep the first home, but I got I purchased the second home was uh-huh. 18212. Uh-huh. And that was just that was the last home that I owned in Phoenix before I moved to Santa Barbara. So I thought uh-huh. it was rather interesting that the significant homes, the significant addresses, mm-hmm. had eight ones and eights in them. Yeah, you know, it was mm-hmm. very, very interesting how that works out. Is there any uh, adding up? I mean, do you do that at all, or you you really work with the numbers singularly, like a one and an eight? You don't sit there, okay, one and eight is nine, and nine is this. Hey, no, 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 it's not like that. No, yeah, See, no, nine is my number, right? But yeah. if you if you ask me, hey, Jesse, go live in a number one eight, I'll never do that because I know those planets don't work, right? Right, I much work better with a number three six, yeah, or a two seven. I've worked with these numbers for long, most of my life. I've worked with these numbers, they always work. But one eight, if you tell me, hey, Jesse, I'll give you this house for free, right? One zero eight, go stay in it. I'll never, I'll never go there. But, but like to answer your question, yes, I don't. Add numbers, you know. I, I look at each planet individually. You know how mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, that's how you look at them. Yeah, you know, and, and that's how it's, it's like the number of the White House. I've talked about that in my book as well, right? Sixteen hundred uh, Pennsylvania Avenue. Oh yeah. Right? See that number now. See if you look at the number, right? It's got number one and number six, right? The Sun and Venus, right? The Sun and Venus amplified with two zero. Sun and Venus are never friendly together. They never get along well. <laughs> ah, yeah. that explains a lot. Let me tell you. Yeah. And then, you know, 16 is an, uh, that energy is a number of, you know, is trickery and deception, ah. you know, that, and that's how that energy works. So, so I have, I have, uh, you know, I have suggested, I mean, people, some people might, might find it absurd and funny, but, but I believe that that energy can be switched by turning the nine to the six to the nine, right. To make it a 1900, you know, with more sun and Mars amplified zero to raise the vibration higher for a, for a head of a stage, right. To sit there like the rising sun, right. Yeah. Is, is you know which I which I thought was very interesting, but yeah. I, I even heard this. Uh, I even heard this that we hold uh, specifically our presidential elections as well mm-hmm. as our midterms on the national level. We hold them not only uh, we hold them in the wrong month. Um, it, it's it's the wrong place, and this is based upon. <clears throat> 
the determination as to when this country's actual birth date was. Now, if you use July 4th, 1776, mm-hmm. uh, that that's kind of the conclusion that was made uh, by my by my friend, Vedic astrologer friend, uh, David Hawthorne, that based upon that chart, we should not be voting in November. We should mm-hmm. actually be voting in the spring. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I thought, wow, that's that's very interesting. I, ha- I hadn't really thought too much about it. And, of course, there's other reasons, even logistic reasons, why it would be better if we voted in the spring because we're heading into the winter. And a lot of times winter comes early and it's tough for people to get out. Uh, they got to mm. stand out in the cold, in a line and all those kinds mm. of things. I mean, just some of the logistics and, and so forth are just uh, they make it more challenging shall we say it's very very yeah, interesting that makes a lot of sense i'll, I'll look at that and research that myself but yeah that, that's a good one you raised i never thought about that one you know yeah have you, how long have you been practicing astrological numerology it's been about 20 years now so 20 years 20 years plus yeah, more yeah. Than 20 years. and what is it that that interests you so much about it and has there been for you even though it's the same science as 6,000 years ago, has there been sort of a, an evolutionary process for you? Exactly. That is so well said. And that's exactly how I feel. I feel that, you know, this, uh, it, this, it, it has definitely, you know, changed and it, this, it, it has evolved with time, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'll tell you why, right? See, see, now, people call me all the time from you know, all parts, you know, all from everywhere. You know, and I'm so grateful for that. And see, I mean, if someone calls you and says, hey, you know, uh, if I tell them, oh, your number is not good, this and that. So that is not enough, right? You have to you have to come with a solution, right? So this information that I give out is more solution-based. I don't call it predictive numerology. It's more like to harmonize your energy. Where, you know, there's something called this number patching. And it's a technique that I use, you know, for homes only. Where we, you know, add a, a request, uh, you know, a client to add a certain number, a smaller number with a certain color to shift the vibration, right? To change the energy, right? You know, things like that. And uh, so, so I can say that that has definitely evolved with my experience, right? That energy has, you know, definitely evolved. And then, uh, and then linking, you know, uh, times and certain numbers and, you know, how energy shifts, those, that I also learned with, you know, over the years with time. So definitely there has been, uh, there is something, I mean, not, I don't say a lot, but there is something there that has been a part of this evolution, right? And it's this uh, n- number of businesses has certainly been re- refined a little bit. And that's, that's what's been, uh, you know, projected in my books. I'm Richard Dugan, and we are talking with Jesse Kalsi. JesseKalsi.com is the website as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. We are uh, new paradigms for a new world. That's what we're uh, looking for. uh, And we're also looking to give you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And we are here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. streaming live at those times at RichardDugan.com. We are also on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. Story. We hope that you will join us for that. And um, we are also podcasting these programs at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many more. We have a video cast on YouTube. Tell me your story, Richard Dugan. That is the channel. You can go and watch these videos. You can see a lot of different things there, including the debut of... Um, my very first and presently only song that I have uh, I've written. I wrote the words and the music with a lot of help from uh, Emily Yurchison, who's been not only a guest on this program, but also a guest host. And she interviewed me. And that interview is also up on YouTube. So I hope that you will take an opportunity to uh, take a look and listen to that. If you'd like to support the work that we're doing here financially, we would greatly appreciate any support that you can send us. We have a PayPal account. It's for your security as well as ours. And uh, all you have to do when you go to send uh, any funds to us, they're going to ask you for an email address. It's richard at richarddugan.com. So anything that you can send us, we'd be great. We'll take energetic support too. Hey, I'm I'm not opposed to that. We'll put that to good use too. Uh, we'll put that into these programs. And please participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, where we ask you to go within. Stop, 
Be still, be quiet, and listen to that still, small voice. Jesse, let me ask you about uh, the still, small voice, our intuition. Does that have anything to do with any of the work that you do these days in terms of astrological numerology on the Vedic level? Uh, that is, I, I, I'll say yes to that. And I'll, I'll say, you know, it applies, it applies more to me and my inner being, right? And I, you know, I always, uh, you know, it, uh, at the time I've started believing and listening more to my inner voice, right? And I, uh, I always feel guided, you know, I always feel, uh, uh, you know, as if uh, someone, some, someone is kind of telling me to, you know, and I, when I, whenever I listen to my intuition, I'm, I'm, I'm always right, you know, it's like God's holding your hand, right? And, uh, but, but in the numerology business, really, you know, what I'll be honest with you, when I do numbers for people, you know, sometimes I, you know, I, I, I see some visions, you know, a little bit, mm -hmm. but uh, that's come with, with time. But, uh, but uh, as far as intuition is concerned, absolutely. Yes. You know, I, I'm guided by my intuition. Right. And, and I've mentioned that in my book as well. And I listen to my inner guide and, and I pretty much follow that very strictly. I do. The book is entitled All About Numbers. Now, when we're talking about numbers, we are only talking about those 10 digits, one through nine and then zero. Because yes. beyond that, it's just a combination of those nine, those 10 digits. Exactly. Those exactly. representations. Um, have you looked into uh, the, the, not only the color references, if you will, but maybe the tonal or vibrational references to each of these digits. Yes, yes, and there absolutely is. The, the colors, color vibrations work with these numbers. So just giving you my example, right, with my Jupiter and uh, Mars energy. Yes. So with my Jupiter and Mars energy, uh, so what, I know what happened, I lost you here. Okay. No, I'm, I'm still here. Okay, so with my Jupiter and Mars energy, you know, I, um, um, I'm i very happy staying with my colors. You see, I wear a certain color turban and a certain color clothes more prominently. I also wear, a, I use a red color all the time, which I feel is, uh, works very well for me, you know. So uh, so that's what I do. And, uh, and, and, and like in your case, I would say, you know, like off-white colors or, you know, the color of blues and a little bit of green also bring you a great luck is basically looking at your number. So... Yes, there is an association with numbers and colors directly. Yeah. Now, in terms of uh, vibration, are there certain, oh, I don't know, are there certain, um, I want to say, um, musical notes or compositions, maybe classical music or anything of this nature that uh, would be recommended? I mean, certainly the individual who comes to you seeking, um, shall we say, guidance through a, a, a reading and a, and a chart, um, would you ever recommend to them listening to a particular genre of music or uh, those kinds of things to help to get them sort of, I don't know, focused or re-energized or what have you, as we would uh, encourage them to go within to spend that quiet time getting re-energized and refocused and so forth. Yeah, that's interesting. Actually, I do that for myself. I listen to some instrumental music all the time, which is very traditional, right? It comes from there. It really calms me down. But then going back to the question of music, you know, for, for those who are in the business of music or those who have a group or, you know, an orchestra, there was this very famous uh, Indian singer, I mean, a guzzle singer, his name was Mr. Jagjit Singh and I, and I observed this all the time. So, you know, in, in his troupe, he always had seven people. Seven was the number, but seven also in, in music and in the Indian tradition is called, you know, seven, uh, sur, sur is the word that they use, right? Mm -hmm. The seven ways they play the music, right? So that number seven is very good. It's really, really important, um, you know, to amplify the energy of music, right? To, you know, make it grow in a fear in that business of music. Yeah. yeah. One of the other interesting things uh, that I have, I haven't studied a lot about this, but uh, I have certainly conversed about this in this regard, and that's Indian music and the ragas. Now, here in the States, uh, Western music, if you will, has eight notes, eight octaves and so forth, but not Indian music. It is it's like subdivided and subdivided and subdivided, uh, yeah. you know, and I find that so interesting that 
you know, the Indian music in particular uh, has, you know, between those eight notes, it's got a bunch of other notes in it. Yes, yes. It is very, very deep and, it's, and it is um, very advanced and it is, uh, and it definitely elevates you spiritually, right? If you sit in a quiet corner and listen to those uh, traditional, that traditional music, right, from, from the right people, right? Mm -hmm. It definitely lifts your spirit, you know, it makes you rise higher, you know. In yeah. the state of your mind, yes. Uh, it, it is fascinating to, uh, to to study. I mean, we've had a number of people. Jonathan Goldman, who uh, we've had on here when he celebrates the annual um, uh, Sacred Healing Day, uh, Sacred Sound Healing Day, I think is how that's uh, put together, where uh, in February each year, uh, actually it's on Valentine's Day or the 14th mm. of February, uh, promoting uh, you know, using sound for, for healing purposes and resonance and, and centering and all of the, the good things that, that mm -hmm. can be brought out. I've done a little research on uh, the Mozart effect, mm -hmm. uh, where they said that it, it, it transforms the synapses in the brain, maybe helps you study better, think better, and so forth. Mm -hmm. And this was another area that I'd like to touch upon, if you don't mind. Uh, it, it, again, if you have knowledge of it, great. Uh, I remember hearing from a local Swami here in Santa Barbara, uh, who is a member, he's a, 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 a Swami in the uh, Life uh, um, uh, Inquiry, uh, uh, the Self-Inquiry Life Fellowship. Mm -hmm. And he told me about what's going on in England in the educational system where they're teaching students. This is not about resurrecting a dead language, but they're teaching students how to write Sanskrit. And that is changing the way they think. And I find that fascinating. And I'm thinking that numbers kind of can do the same thing and those vibrations of those numbers can kind of do the same thing. I agree with you. Yeah. I absolutely agree with you. But but uh, but, I, but I'm, I'm glad you told me this. I wasn't aware of uh, Sanskrit being taught in English schools in the UK, right? That's Well, that's, that's what he was telling me. And yeah, yeah, and the yeah. reason that then the reason they're doing it is because they want to facilitate. This is not a a a, a, co, a, a, a a covert operation by some government. Yeah, yeah. You know, it is it is something that's being done to help these students. To I mean, one of the things that I was always told about going to the library: go to the library, read a book, and broaden your horizons. Yeah, yeah. Well, gee, if you can open up more of those synapses and 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 have a greater thought process. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's learning another language is always wonderful, and you know? yeah. it's really good. And Sanskrit is so old. And uh, now, but, now you mentioned earlier about needing to get a translator, especially for people Spanish-speaking people. Are you yeah. bilingual? Do you speak uh, one of the Indian languages? Yes, I do. I, I speak I speak Hindi, you know, and I speak Punjabi, which is my traditional dialect. Mm -hmm. And I, I can speak a little bit of Urdu, you know, Urdu is, uh, you know, it's Pakistan and because India has a Muslim population too. So these three languages I can speak and understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've, I've often thought, and I remember meeting a girl, a high school student who came over to the United States. She was going to college at uh, uh, the university, uh, uh, UCSB, University of California, Santa Barbara. And she came here already able to speak five languages because that's what they were teaching in Italian schools. Oh, my God. Italian school. And then she went on here in the States to learn, I think, uh, Mandarin. Oh, my God. And then, of course, most people wouldn't think of this as a language. Sign language and Whoa. Braille she must be brilliant. She <laughs> is incredible, incredible young lady, incredible. Wow. And I think often about how deficient our educational system is here in the United States. Those are the kinds of things that would just foster the the desire, the thirst for education. I think the thirst for education. No, I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. And, uh, you know, I have a daughter, you know, she, uh, by the grace of God, she attended a charter school here in Fremont. And then she graduated this year from St. Mary's College here in Moraga. 
and with the BS degree, and she did really well. But she's born and raised here. But but the advantage she has is you know she can speak, uh, you know, I mean not speak, but she can understand and pick up Hindi really well. She can understand this, this language, our traditional Punjabi, really well. And then because she's born and raised here, you know, she's pretty proficient in the English language too. But she she she, she hasn't learned Sanskrit yet. I don't. She never will. Mm. But I'm sure she'd be more inclined to you know help me or you know learn get into. Uh, the Spanish, this thing, you know, so. Sure. But it definitely helps, though. Other languages do it definitely help you. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I am a, such a strong advocate for education and not necessarily formal education, although that's helpful. I'm curious about education in India, uh, yeah. that, as, as much as you are aware. Uh, you know, is it is it a... Uh, um, is it a good educational system or is it lacking... Excellent here, as, as in the states, oh, India is very good. You know the science and the math that foundation right is really good. It's really really good. And then parents are very strict. You know, because there's such a large population, the competition is so high, right? Mm -hmm. And and they really drive their kids to uh, you know grades. Sometimes that's a little excessive, but that's fine at that age, right? And uh, and then. Um, for and whenever they migrate all over the world, they have see. So if you look at look around now, right? Look at these uh, temporary workers who've come from India, the southern part of India, or up in the high tech industry, right? There's so many. There's so many, right? And what is their background? Foundation is science and math. Mm. So they came with that strength of science and math, right? They're just everywhere. You see them everywhere, right? And I I feel that you know that. That foundational strength of science and math is very crucial, very crucial at all. You know, I've often thought about that myself, um, and I have even made the comment, I'd love your, uh, your observation on this, that here in the United States, when it comes to the educational system, when the budgets get tight, the first things that they start to cut are the elective classes like band and maybe physical education and so forth and so on. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, no, 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 you need to cut the basics, keep band and keep uh, uh, the arts and, and so forth. Because, and I, I even went down a, long, a, a list when I was thinking about band, for example. Now, when I was in high school, I took band and I played the baritone. Mm -hmm. It's made out of brass. All right. Mm -hmm. So... If you're, and, and of course, as I mentioned earlier, I have written my first song, mm -hmm. So Far for One, uh, and the process of learning how to write a song, for example, you have to know about timing. So you're mm. going to have to learn about math, mm. okay? You're going to have to learn about English so that when mm. you write the lyrics, they make sense to you as well as to the one listening to the song. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in, let's say, in band, a baritone, mm -hmm. all right? Mm -hmm. You're going to learn about music. You're going to learn about history, especially the history maybe of the music, If you're especially if you're playing classical music from the masters yeah. going back uh, several yeah. hundred years. Okay, well, what about the baritone itself? It's made of brass. Well, where does that come from? And how do they, how do they, how do they make a baritone? Mm -hmm. All right, so now you're talking about maybe geology, okay? Mm -hmm. And you're talking about chemistry, and so on and so on oh, and so on. so interesting. Yeah. So, so knowledgeable. You so can't, knowledgeable. how can you lose the basics if you've got those quote unquote electives, you know? They shouldn't I be cutting anything you. in my, <laughs> but. I agree with you. I totally, totally agree yeah. with you, what you say. I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. Now, in terms of um, the competitive nature, uh, and I know mm -hmm. we're going a little far afield here. You said that it's very competitive educationally in India. Is yes, that right? it is. Yeah. Yes, that is true. Okay, describe the competitiveness and what it is. It what is it that is being competed for? It's, it's basically you know uh, you know uh, positions right because it's a large population right, and then when as these kids come out of schools and step into colleges right, they have to be at a certain point to be accepted in those colleges in India because they're not that many right. But of course they're opening up more now, mm -hmm. but a, a whole load comes out right, and then if they aren't the best of the best, they don't get good colleges right, and then you know they don't get into good you know basically life slows down for them. And uh, and they just and the struggle starts very early, you know, 
See, soon after school, that struggle starts, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that is why it is so important, and for parents to realize that that it will push them as hard as possible to, you know, get higher grades so they can be well placed in a country like India, which is just a quarter. I mean, it's you know, it's a quarter of this country, right? It's not that big with a large population, but uh, it's it's basically survival, is what you can say. You know, it has to you have to survive. It is the survival of the fittest, right? Darwin's theory, you know, and uh, so, it, it, so that's what it comes down to, you know. It's, is there is there any anything along the lines of um, something that's kind of going through this country right now, in terms of not everybody is set out for a college career. Now I took three semesters of junior college. Mm-hmm. I went to a vocational school for broadcasting, and this is going back forty plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, my sisters, I have four sisters, they all went to university. My mm. brother went to a technical institute for engineering, electrical engineering. Um, but I never went to, I mean, yeah, three semesters of junior college, but those were basic courses of English and math and that kind of stuff. Nothing, yeah. nothing huge. Uh, so I'm wondering, is there is there a place for someone who maybe just doesn't have the the desire and or the drive and maybe even the aptitude for college. Yes, this is happening now with the, with the current government, right? So they have started setting up, uh, you know, vocational colleges and schools, basically picking up, picking up on your, uh, you know, your, your talent or your aptitude, you know? So if, um, if you, if you don't get the best grades to a best college, they'll try to place you in places where, you know, you can hone on what skills you have, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, and you, and you need people in various industries. So that has definitely started in the last some years. I've seen many of those vocational schools opening up and younger children, you know, uh, who are not very academically inclined are, you know, finding places in those institutions. So that is absolutely true. It's happening now. It's going to grow over time. but Yeah, because yeah, I, I find it really unfair to the, the, the children no matter whether they're single digits or double digits heading through high school, going to college, it seems unfair to force them and tell them, no, you're going to college, whether you like it or not. And it's like my mother, when I was 16 and came into my room after I had gotten home from delivering the morning newspaper, I was exhausted and, and uh, I was, I was, I didn't want to get up. She says, Richard, it's time to get up for mass. So I, I really don't want to go. And she said, okay. Years later, I asked her why. She says, I didn't want you to push away from the church. And I have to wonder if forcing a child to go to college, telling them you're going and you're going to get a, a degree in this, that, or the other thing so that you can make money, um, is, that, is that part of what's changing uh, in India? As is changing here, the, the young people, they're realizing that money is not... You know, even though they use the phrase, it's the bottom line, it, for them, it's not the bottom line. They want to be happy. They want to, uh, you know, uh, enjoy their lives. And I'm not talking about partying. Mm. I'm talking about like my father told me, Richard, find a job you love to do because you're going to be doing it for a long time. Don't get stuck like me. And I've been very fortunate that I've been in the right place at the right time most of my life. Yeah, that's wonderful. That one. That is so what about what about that for India? Is that that's that's sort of what's kind of happening there too? Maybe yeah, it is. You know, the reason is because you know we are now we all connected because of the internet, right? We yeah. Are, you know, we all connected. You know, in that same thread, right? And uh, and a lot of ideas, you know, from here to there, from there to there. You know, so it's, it's, it's what you're saying is absolutely true. That started happening too. Yeah. And, uh, and people do feel like that, you know, at many levels. Yes, I, I, I'll say yes to that. Yeah. I, I want to ask you one more personal question, if I may, before we, before we uh, move on here. Um, we all have our, our own uh, style. We have our own um, uh, look and so forth and so on. I have this hat, which is, I guess, you might say is sort of my, uh, uh, my, my brand. 
It's a nice hat. It's a very nice hat. Thank you very much. Uh, and yeah. I wear it because, oh, actually, I do like the way I look in it. You know, I yeah. feel good in it, you know. And plus the fact that it keeps my head shaded when I'm yeah. out in the sun so I don't get sunburn on, on my bald head. That's I'm true. curious as to the significance of the turban. Yeah. So, you know, I come, see, I, I, I belong to the Sikh faith, you know, the Sikhs, S-I-K-H. And, and I'm sure you see many, I mean, all over America, we mm -hmm. have about, I think it's close to a million Sikhs now in America. And so, so it's, it's, it's a Sikhs of religion, right? And, uh, you know, and I, I'm honestly very proud to be a Sikh, right? I mean, coming to America, you know, I, I, I am what I am now and I am what I am was there. I didn't change anything. I didn't come and adapt to a different lifestyle here. I just, you know, I'm, I'm what I am. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and Sikh religion is, is a very giving religion. You know, we believe in one God. We believe in, uh, you know, seva. You know, it's like helping people all the time. You know, we believe in giving. You know, we believe in hard work, you know. And, uh, and, and so uh, it's, it's really good. I mean, you, you see us all the time. We always, you know, raise money for people. We always want to pick everybody up. We are, I mean, it's about humanity. We all, mankind's equal, right? We're all the same, right? Mm -hmm. And in many ways, I, I also think that the Sikhs are more like the, you know, like I'll say that the Jews of India, you know, mm. <laughs> they are the Jews of India. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. I absolutely yeah. would. Yeah. I've, I've met many in Phoenix. There's a, I think there's a temple or I'm not sure what the, the name is, or shrine or what have you, where they meet and what have you. Yeah, it's a Gurdwara. It's a Gurdwara. Yeah. I've learned yes, a new word today. The church, a uh, Sikh uh, worshiping place is called a Gurdwara. Gurdwara. That is correct. Yes. I am fascinated by uh, the different philosophies uh, around the globe, both present day as well as in our history. Uh, I've also made the, uh, the conclusion, and I think rightly so, there is no philosophy that exists that came out of a vacuum somewhere. It, it is, it is uh, something that has grown out of something else uh, going back hundreds or thousands of years. Yes, that is true. Absolutely where, true. Where did Sikhism uh, grow from? Sikhism came, it, was, it, was, uh, it came in the year 1539. It came, so, so or 500 years now. And, and the first Sikh guru was Guru Nanak, right? So, so his birth... Uh, you know, bought uh, Sikhism in, you know, in, in, that part of the world, right, is, is very casteist, you know, even mm -hmm. today, India, I'll be honest with you, right, has a very strong caste system, you know, they, and they have so many divisions, even in the, if, if you look at Hinduism today, Hindu, Hinduism, Hindus are like almost 80%, I'll say about 75% of India, mm -hmm. but they are also so divided, right, there's so much of this caste system going on, which is horrible. You know, it's basically control of people, right? And so when, when Guru Nanak, the Sikh, uh, you know, uh, Nanak, he came to this earth, Sikhism was born just to, you know, have a religion. There was no caste, creed, nothing, you know. Human beings were, you know, all, all humanity, everyone was equal, right? And so if you go to the Sikh temple, you know, there's something called as a langar, we call it, you know, it's like a community kitchen, you know, where people sit down and eat together. They all sit on the floor, right? And it's no chairs, nothing, right? It's been like this all over the world, right? You can go to any Sikh temple anywhere in the world. They all sit down on the floor and they'll eat their food like that. And there's always unending supply of food for everybody. It never ends. You know, it's like, like this, uh, the Langar Seva was started by Guru Nanak 500 years ago. And people say that it, it, uh, that his energy continues like that. It's, it's unending and you know, it's so fulfilling. Mm -hmm. So uh, so, so that, that's how it is, right? So the, the purpose then to create the religion was to eradicate the sense of uh, caste and creed. But but I can tell you, but that that is still there. Yeah. This, in Indian society, it hasn't disappeared. It's still there. Is there a particular writing that you use in your philosophy, in your faith? Writing means, uh, yeah, it's, it's called Gurmukhi. It's, it's another language, right? Punjabi, it's called Gurmukhi. Gurmukhi is the language. Well, that's the language, but is there a writing? Is there a text? Is there an ancient uh, ancient wisdom teaching, if you will, uh, like the Christians have the Bible, the Jews have oh, yeah, the Torah? Yeah, it's called, yeah, yeah, it's called the Guru Granth Sahib, the holy book. Yeah, the holy book is called the Guru Granth Sahib. Mm. Yes, it is. Interesting. I'm, I, I may have to look that up because uh, it's something, again, uh, to expand one's awareness of. 
I may, I, I may never become a Sikh. That's not the purpose. It's to understand. And learn more, yeah. And yeah. learn more and, and appreciate yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, the, the differences that we share uh, exactly. amongst ourselves. Yes. I've often yes. uh, thought of it this way, that we all, you and I, both have exactly the same emotions. We go through the same. Yeah. We have fear. We have happiness yes. and joy and sadness and all of that. Absolutely. That's what makes us the same. What makes us exactly. unique is the stories behind those emotions. Exactly. And um, so that's very exciting in that regard. Jesse Kelsey, my guest, jessekelsey.com is the website. I'm Richard Dugan. We're talking all about numbers here on Tell Me Your Story. We are continuing our program here with uh, Jesse Kelsey. And I want to let you know, first of all, as we uh, come to the end of our program here, that I thank you so much for sharing your story, the work that you do, and yourself with us. And uh, I, I really appreciate uh, the work that you're doing to help others to not just get through their day-to-day -day and week-to-week -week and month-to-month, -month, but also helping them to raise their consciousness, their awareness as well. Yeah, I'm very grateful, Richard, for you to have me as a guest today. I'm, I'm very grateful to you for uh, having me uh, let my voice out to the audience and to your group of people. I'm very grateful to you. Thank you so very much. You are very welcome. And I'm hoping that we can get together again sometime soon to, to continue this conversation. I think this is uh, something that's definitely worth, uh, worth discussing. People need to know what's going on in other parts of the world because they're not getting it from uh, the, the, the uh, sources that uh, they seem to tap into. Uh, they seem to tap into their echo chambers, and that's about it. And uh, we need to, we need, that's one of the reasons I loved the BBC was because yeah. they told us about what was going on in Africa and in the yeah. Middle East and in India and Southeast Asia and so forth. Uh, but we don't get that here in the States from our, our networks and, and, and so forth. So uh, th that's something I think that would be fun to, uh, uh, fun to talk about. But I have three final questions I'd like to ask you that uh -huh. I ask all of my guests. And you may have addressed them during the program, but I'd like to ask them directly. But, uh -huh. be but before I do, I need to address you, the listener and the viewer, and I thank you for listening and watching Tell Me Your Story. We're here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., 9 a.m. Wednesdays as we stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. We also podcast at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations on the Internet, along with iHeart and Amazon Music. And our, our video cast is on YouTube, and you can watch these interviews on YouTube. The channel is Tell Me Your Story, Richard Dugan. Just look for the guy with the hat. Uh, and uh, you'll, you'll know that you're there when you get there. Uh, so I hope that you'll do that. And also, I hope that you will support us financially with whatever you can through PayPal. It's there for your security as well as ours. And we thank you for supporting us. I thank those who have and who will support us. And I thank you. Thank you, thank you, with, with great humility and uh, gratefulness for the contributions that we have received and will receive. We also ask you to participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s. Again, it's going in and listening to that still small voice, your intuition, whatever you want to call it. And also just pausing. And one of my guests uh, told me, Jesse, even if it's just for 60 seconds, just 60 seconds to stop and listen, you know, because sometimes in radio, in broadcasting, 60 seconds of dead air is a long time. Oh, so, it is. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we hope that you folks will do that. And with that, I now go to the final three questions of the program. And again, my thanks to you for joining us. First of the three questions is, who is Jesse Kalsi? Jesse Kelsey is uh, well, known as an astronomerologist, but Jesse Kelsey is also a very, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's a very giving person. He, he wants to work with society. He wants to help people, you know, in whatever way possible. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? I want to spread the message of numbers. I want to spread the, the knowledge that I've gained in some very difficult times of my life. And with that, intent i want to uh, help people you know to harmonize their lives to uh, to rise above you know to uh, rise above difficult situations you know and uh, and be successful hmm. and finally what is your life's purpose 
my life's purpose now is to help people. I like to help people in in whatever way I can, uh, in in uh, within within the means I have and in my capacity. I just love to help. Well, Jesse, thank you again for joining us on the program. It's been a great pleasure not only to meet you, to get to know you, and to talk with you here on the program. And yes, we definitely would like to have you back. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful being here. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast podcast videocast, love to lull.